This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, is the Matt McNeil Show for your Halloween. <laughs> Matt and Patrick here today. Uh, how are you today, my friend? Doing pretty well. I uh, will tell you, because I don't think I had before, yesterday I was out because Sunday I watched the Kirk Cousins era come to an end live and in person at Lambeau Field. Do you think he's done? We talked about this with uh, with uh, Broadcorp yesterday. Do you think that he's done? I actually think that there's a, a chance that if he heals that they will try to find a way to sign him. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you talked about that a lot yesterday, yep. and I'm sure you'd like to hear about my favorite Halloween costume of all time. What is what is your favorite? No, 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 stop, bit. stop. You you stepped in it. What's your favorite Halloween costume of all time? Uh, probably when I was Batman, like back when I was like seven. It's the one that had the the muscles on the. On oh it. yeah, well I still wear that man. It impresses <laughs> the ladies. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so let's see here the. You you basically feel as if he's done. If you know, going back to Kirk Cousins, that he's not going to come back. I think it's it's a tough question because I think I think you're right that I, I think there's a lot of people who would like to see him come back. I think the one thing is going to be he's probably not going to be ready until the middle of the season next year. So, so, but okay. So there is a little bit of confliction because I've heard people say that, no, he should be ready to go because of the beginning of next year. I'll tell you what, you know what? We talked a lot about this yesterday and we are not a sports station and I do not want to go down and become this everything. Cause I mean, they designed a kid from Arizona today. They'd made a trade, got this. We could do that just like this, but you know what? If you want to hear sports, there's plenty of sports stations here. I love having Broadcorp on. I occasionally will add my thing, but you know, we we did talk about this a lot yesterday, and it is Halloween, and it is how much Patrick can I ask? Did you get references to the blizzard of '91 with this light to moderate few inches of snow? Uh, probably far more than we should have. But let's be real; this comes up every single year. Oh, like, of course it does every year, and so it was kind of tough for me to say, okay, what's What's uh you know what's what's all right what's the additional discussion about the the blizzard on top of what we already get every year which is a lot yeah well and and well we we I I I I've not talked about it because I I know that people get ad nauseum um about the the blizzard and the blizzard talk because it it is it is an obsession and I do mean an obsession for some people it really is. Um, I, I was presented with a really unique opportunity. I got back from the military in February of 1992. So that same winter, but post blizzard. And 
I was, to say I was a blank slate, I was an empty canvas, is an understatement. Everyone wanted to tell me about, did you hear what happened last October? Did you hear what happened last October? And I had been back even by... April, May, I would run into people. It's like, did I? Did you hear about what happened? It's like, I've been back for three months. Yeah, I've heard about it. And, you know, it was funny because you'd say, oh, yeah, I, I've already heard about the blizzard. It was. It sounds like it was really rough. There was a pained look on people's faces that they couldn't, you know, I, why, why wasn't I the first one to tell you about it? You know, just this, this pained experience. And and I think we, we forget that... We today, if we had that much snow, probably by if it if it stopped snowing in the morning, probably by the next morning, most roads would be open and stuff. They've gotten pretty good. Just back then, I don't think that they they were not ready. They just didn't they didn't have the plows ready. They didn't have anything ready. So it was really kind of an old school type of snowstorm. So I think that that's why people are there. And of course, it was a tremendous amount. It buried all the leaves in the yards, and you know they, that's where they stayed and all these things. But it was it was a snowstorm. <laughs> it was a snowstorm. Last night we I think we got I think two inches here in, in, in the metro area for the most part. A few areas got a little bit more, but about two inches. It created a mess because it's your standard October snow. So the ground is warm. And if it happens just like it did last night, what happens is, you know, as the snow hits the ground, it starts to melt and then refreezes once it gets cold enough because it starts turning the ground cold. So the immediate ground right there is now cold enough to freeze and became a mess. I actually had some real anxiety. <laughs> this is, I had some real freaking anxiety. I went and met a friend this morning over at Uptown Diner. And I jumped onto 169 just to go up to Highway 7 and cut into the the, the, the Lake District there and go see him. And, you know, I just, I, I had a guy right on my tail. And I'm like, dude, do you not see what you're driving in? And this is why we had so many accidents and spinouts this morning, is there are just too many people like, you know, that, you know, and frankly, if I, you know, I'll go back to my metro traffic days, selfishness. They basically they need to they need to realize, oh, I need to get up a little bit earlier and get to work and and make sure I'm not late versus what they do, which is basically wait till the last second and then it's everyone else's fault problem. And the reality is is they shouldn't be driving that fast anyway. So it it was it was a it was a rough commute, but right now the roads are completely fine. The roads are are, are completely fine out there. So yeah, I uh, yeah, it's it it snowed a little bit. It's trick or treating tonight. It, the kids are going to be out. Trust me, the kids. I don't care if it's cold; they are not going to pass this up. So, a reminder, as always, as always, 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 a reminder. Keep an eye out on the roads. Watch out for kiddos. Watch out for 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 the 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 uh, uh, you know the kids darting between cars. They're hyped up on candy. They're excited. If you are in a residential area, go incredibly slow, and watch out, especially when it gets you know six thirty or so, because then it's pretty dark now at that point. So just be careful. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Bakken, by the way, is going to join us. You know, he, we're, he's uh, we've, we've, we're installing him into a ghost house. You know what could go wrong? Uh, it's uh, out in Stillwater somewhere, 
And apparently it's just it's ghost central. So good luck. I'm gonna I'm gonna be snuggling up next to some Kit Kat bars. You can you can go deal with the you know the seventh circle of hell. All my best on that. Good luck, go team go. But I am going to be enjoying candy. They will be out there exploring and investigating actual ghosts. The uh, Ghost Box Radio crew is going to be live tonight at 8 o'clock. Uh, they're doing a three-hour show, and it sounds like this place is nightmare central. So y- your place to be is right here. We could we could lose Greg Bach into the netherworld, which, by the way, I'm not filling in for him tomorrow night. I've just let you know. <laughs> you know what my thought was, you know, just because – of my, you know, my producer job is, I, I feel sorry for who's got to be managing the dump button if things get a little bit out of hand. Oh, I would be. <laughs> uh, bye. You know, well, it's still water. There's plenty of good bars and eateries over there. So, I mean, it's like, you know what? I'm going to go get some onion rings. You guys enjoy the ghosts. You enjoy the the cold ice gripping of your, of your flesh. I am going to go see if, uh, you know, do the, do the wild play tonight? Uh, they're off. No, uh, anyone anyone play tonight, or is it because T Wheels lost last night? So no, they're off till tomorrow. Oh, you got you got a World Series game. Yeah. All right, I'll stay with the ghosts. All right, nine five two. <laughs> Baseball fever. <coughs> Catch it. All right, nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. I'm going to spend a lot of this show talking about perspective because perspective is an interesting concept and it is a problem that we have in how news is covered and and i have to admit i want to start off with the uh, you know something that, that i i'm actually a little bit hesitant and ashamed of myself on this one for this reason the Back when I was doing Metro Traffic, there was a radio host in town who had a chip on his shoulder like you would not believe. Not going to say who it was. Not going to say who it was. But he used to berate me constantly and act as if, because I was that was kind of the assistant director over there at the time, and he'd berate me constantly because he felt like he wasn't getting respect. And I was like, dude, no, I, I show you respect is just the same amount of respect, and, and that's kind of the way I am. I'm the kind of person that I, you know, no matter if I'm in charge of a job, everyone gets the same level of respect from me. That's how I am. That's just the person I am, and I do <clears throat> do try to show respect. I have learned there does there's not a lot of value in taking out personal grievances in the lot. So no, this guy was all upset with me all the time. He used to do this. And I said, I never wanted to be that. I never wanted to be that guy that was always, you know, finding, you know, the reason, the, in, the reason to have, to be, to be upset because they felt out there, felt there was some sort of wrong or there's some sort of thing. I, I didn't want to be that. And I don't want to be that. So I have to admit, one of the things that happens sometimes is I will not talk about something because I do not want to be perceived as a, well, what are you guys doing? Because it's easy when I am critical, say, of the Star Tribune and the coverage that they're doing for them to say, well, that's just that liberal nutbag, Matt McNeil. No one cares about what he thinks. Blah, 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 blah. The reality is, is I 
sometimes have have buried stuff, and I probably shouldn't have because I don't want to be perceived as what aboutism? What about that? What about that? The reality is is that there is a problem right now in America in regards to how news is covered and news is presented, and there is an incredibly biased perspective that it, you, you just cannot deny. You cannot deny. And that is that uh, what, what I what, basically, it's wrong. It's just wrong. We have a broken media. Great example of this. Seth Myers on uh, Late Night with Seth Myers pointed out that Donald Trump was in Sioux City, Iowa, and he kept calling it Sioux Falls, as in South Dakota. And it took, there is a clip of the guy, one of the politicians coming up to him, is like, by the way, sir, you're in Sioux City, not Sioux Falls. And very, this is Spinal Tap moment, hello, Cleveland, you know, that sort of thing. You, you know, you, you, it, it, it is kind of one of those moments, but it's a pretty big guffaw. And we all laugh and we all joke. And Trump goes, hello, comes keeps keeps repeating it because he's trying to make up for the fact that for about five minutes, he kept saying Sioux Falls. He, he didn't know what town he was in. If Joe Biden would have done that, would have one time said, oh, hello, Sioux Falls. Oh, I'm sorry, Sioux City, my, my mistake. If he would have said it like that, if he would have said it very straightforward, Oops, my bad. There would have been an absolute dismantling of him, not just on the OANs and the Fox Newses and the the the, the, the American News Networks and all those guys. Not there, but j- even on mainstream media, CNN would have a roundtable panel. Is, is Biden beyond his age? Is Biden there? Biden seems to be out of his league. Biden, Biden, Biden. That would be the narrative. And and that is undeniable. And there would be there would be panels, there'd be discussions, there'd be segments, there'd be like uh, Joe Biden didn't know if he was in Sioux Falls or Sioux City. You know how can the guy be running for office again? Trump does it for five freaking minutes, and the only person I heard this from was Seth Meyers on last the, the late night show with Seth Meyers, the only person who even covered it was a a, a late night talk show host. Now, how in the world am I supposed to just sit here and say there isn't a biased nature to this world? There isn't this biased, unbalanced nature that certain things get covered and other things don't. And yeah, sometimes it's just so simple and easy as, well, you know, Donald Trump doesn't just, he, he gets the benefit of the doubt. He clearly gets the benefit of the doubt on whenever he's talking and doing things. And Joe Biden never gets the benefit of the doubt. That is the narrative. And, and, and shame on the news media because unless you are you know, the reformer, men post, um, probably NPR, I would probably say them, uh, you know, the BBC, everyone, Star Tribune, the, the, they're all freaking guilty of this. And part of it is they know that their advertisers who are business owners are generally leaning more Republican, so they want to kind of push that narrative, and they don't want to have to explain themselves that when Donald Trump says Sioux Falls instead of Sioux City for five minutes while he's in Sioux City and and doesn't correct himself, it has to be corrected. 
and they, they that they can't cover it. It's not just the fact that they call out Joe Biden and basically hold him to a standard that they do not hold his opponents to. It's the fact that the other side doesn't get held accountable. Have you paid attention to Donald Trump's speeches lately? They are a word salad. This man is not mentally there. He just is not. He, he slurs. He, 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 he makes rambling, nonsensical. I mean, I don't even want to call them sentences. And granted, this is part of usually a longer rally speech, but I would say 20 to 30% of his rally speech is nonsensical. Beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, beep, 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 boop, beep, boop, beep, beep. And you're like, when is anyone going to look and say, wow, that guy's clearly not fit to be the president of the United States? Meanwhile, if Joe Biden would have one time said, hello, Sioux Falls, I mean, I'm sorry, Sioux City, my mistake, Sioux City, great to be here as well. The entire news media is like, did you see what Biden did? That is what I'm talking about. And it permeates everything. There is this filter that has become undeniable that the news media puts things through to determine how they're going to cover them. I am going to cover a lot this show. Bakken as well. Patrick Cooligan is going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour with Minnesota Reformer. We got his update with Brett. That's coming up as well a little bit. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I'll give you another example of that when I do return. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I want to give you another example of a story here that I'm kind of stunned, to tell the truth, hasn't gotten more coverage, especially when in Dinkytown at the University of Minnesota campus, when there were some problems over there, you know, the main headline was chaos at the University of Minnesota. What are they doing? They need to rein this in, blah, 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 blah. By the way, kudos once again to the mom and imam uh, uh, patrols that they have over there. They've, they've, you know, the kids that were kind of out of control, they, they've done a great job. Uh, and, you know, a salute. That's, uh, that's well done stuff right there. I, I was, that has been pretty amazing. Anyway, but needless to say, it's like when something bad goes wrong near the University of Minnesota campus, the news media in this town goes crazy, like, how can you keep you send your kid there because it's not safe? That sort of thing. So on Saturday, I drove down to Mankato. Hello, Mankato. It was that nice to be down in your town. And I, my daughter was down visiting a friend down there, and I brought her back up to the cities. And I picked her up, and as we're driving back on what is actually a very underrated stretch of road, that 169 you run down there is a, a nice run. As I was driving back, I started talking with her a little bit about you know her stay, and she said, "Oh wow, by the way, apparently there was a shooting in Mankato on I think this was on Friday night. Um, you know, it was Friday night, Saturday morning. Now I, this is Saturday morning. I'm picking her up, so this has just happened, and she had her friend tell her apparently this happened. I'm like, oh okay, well that's that's unfortunate. It it does happen. I mean, I I could sit here and do the mathematics of the the tragedy of what happened up in Babbitt, where two people were murdered up there. 
uh, in a small town and, and talk about how, oh boy, look how much crime is in Babbitt. But the reality is, is, you know, stuff like that does happen, unfortunately. And, you know, you, I don't think you should be vilifying a specific area because of some crime that happens there. I just don't think that that's the case. But what I found out later was when, and I was looking at this, and this was from Bring Me the News. Let me read the Bring Me the News story to you. Police have identified the man who was shot and killed in Mankato early Saturday. Boy Durjuk of Mankato was found dead on the 300 block of Balserzak uh, uh, Drive after officers uh, responded to multiple reports of shots fired. Officers arrived at 12.18 a.m., found the 27-year-old in the street with a gunshot wound, according to the Mankato Police Department. Authorities gave him medical aid before transporting to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. The Ramsey County Medical Examiner's Office has ruled the cause of the death of homicide. No arrests have been announced on, by Saturday evening, but Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension is helping to investigate. One witness reported seeing a man flee the area on foot after the shooting. He was described as 6 foot 2 inches tall with a thin build, weighing around 160 pounds, wearing a dark clothing with a hood up. So we don't know if this was a... Did they know this individual and he shot him? Was it a random crime? Don't know. But needless to say, a tragedy. And, and, and all my best to the family there. It was only when I looked at the story on Bring Me the News, it's like, holy God, this was right by the University of Minnesota, or excuse me, not University of Minnesota, Mankato campus, that man, Minnesota State Mankato. This was right there at the campus, basically. Now... Once again, I'm I'm sure that Mankato uh, or Minnesota State Police uh, down there at the university are obviously on alert. They're keeping an eye out. They're helping out any way they can. Big salute to them. It has nothing to do with the quality of education, the quality of campus or anything there. But I, I stepped back and I said to myself, now, let me get this right. If this murder had happened by the University of Minnesota campus, it would be probably above the fold on the newspaper, lead story, chaos in the cities. I don't even want to go into the right-wing news outlets in this state and how they would portray it as, you can't send your kids to the university because it's too dangerous. But here you have a case where it's Minnesota State, which is, once again, this is not about lambasting Minnesota State. This it just, Random stuff like this happens everywhere. But if this was in Minneapolis, if this was the University of Minnesota, this would be a very different covered story because really I haven't found that much out about this story outside of the one bring me the news story, which had uh, they, they finally identified the individual. And I say once again, is, is, is this sort of thing important to report? I mean, if we have a shooting, a death by a college campus in the state of Minnesota, what is the narrative? What is the tone? How do you report it? Because there's a serious freaking inconsistency right now when you look at how these two stories or, or a story like this or a story about the University of Minnesota is reported. The University of Minnesota's story is chaos in the streets. Here, a blurb is, I mean, I don't even know if a blurb gets shown up. And and you want to know the truth is even as I read that story there you would not know that that was actually relatively near Minnesota State's campus. It was and as a matter of fact it was only like two blocks away from where I picked my daughter up from where she was staying with her friend. And I'm like wow this is a little bit yeah okay. It's not about whether it's a story. Is it a story? I think it's a story. Personally I think it's a story. I'm not going but you see is this 
I think it's a story, but I don't think it's a story that should be used to vilify a campus or a community just because I want to do it. Ah! I just think it's a story. A man was shot. Man was killed near the Minnesota State campus. Let's find this guy. Done. The problem I have is the inconsistency of how this stuff gets reported. And when it pushes a conservative narrative that the, the city of Minneapolis is not safe, that the University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus is not safe, then it's above the fold, it's top of the line. But when it's another university where clearly there's just as many students, or not as many students at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities, but a lot of students there, it's a big campus, you know, it almost feels like, once again, what are you doing? You're burying the story. You're hiding the story. You're not explaining, well, this actually was by the campus. Why you basically, once again, it's, I, I know exactly why you're vilifying the University of Minnesota Twin Cities, but is the reason why you're downplaying this because you don't want to vilify Mankato? Well, once again, that's your own standard. you got to live with that in your own freaking head. But I'm starting to start calling this crap out because that is not a fair representation. And damn it, you're right. I'm a little bit of a homer. I love this city. I like the University of Minnesota. I'm not going to just sit here and watch constantly as right you know, fetish dreams of, of vilification transpire within what is supposed to be mainstream media unfettered. I'm just not going to do that. Not anymore. Not anymore. 952-946-6205. I got some more examples of this coming up, including a doozy from the business sector. Uh, but what we'll do right now is we'll take a break. Come on back. Uh, we have uh, Greg Bakken, Ghost Box Radio, going to join us when we do come back, getting ready for his big special tonight starting at 8 o'clock. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Oh, pardon me while I play something on my organ. There you go. Come on, keep it playing the organ. Pop me back up. You're starting Nordiques. No, okay, all right. <laughs> Welcome to Vancouver for a fine NHL matchup tonight versus the uh, New Jersey Devils. All right, now it's, it's hey, I got to get my organ jokes on in. Okay, sorry. I just heard what I just said. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. You better get out there and enjoy J Greg Bakken tonight at 8 o'clock because I have no idea where he's going to be come 11 o'clock. I don't know what void or dimension he'll be pulled into, but I've got five bucks that he doesn't return. Uh, Greg Bakken, Ghost Box Radio, live investigation of a haunted house or haunted building in Stillwater tonight. He is preparing himself, and he's kind enough to join us to give us an update on how things are going. Hey, Greg. You, you have a grim outlook to my future, and I'm not sure. I hope you're not a psychic. That's all I'm hoping oh, for. Oh, no, I'm psychotic. I'm not a psychic. Just close. It's close. It's <laughs> near each other, but not really. Uh, no, I, it's, you know, just, no, this is more admiration, Greg. This is more admiration. You're, you're, you're going to go into this and it's like, you know, it's, it's uh, for me, I'd be, I'd be like Bill Murray in the, in Ghostbusters where he's like, go say hi, hi. And the, the librarian says, Shh, and they're like, okay, I'm done here. Uh, you show no fear. You're heading on. And once again, let's, let's remind everyone what exactly you're doing tonight. So at 8 p.m. tonight, we are going to be doing a uh, live radio show, also a visual experience, if you want to tune in, on our Facebook page, AM950 Radio on Facebook, because we're going to have cameras set up all over the Grand Garage in Stillwater 
uh, where Midwest Witchery and Healing is located. It's not open to the public, but you can watch us. And we're going to be doing part radio show, interviews, all that good stuff. We're going to ask people what their least favorite Halloween costume was, stuff like that. But then we're also going to do a paranormal investigation at about three hot spots mm-hmm. in this uh, building. Amazing. Now, is, if people can watch this, and this is one of the cool things that's really cool, are you? if people see something on cameras, are they supposed to get in touch with you via the comments section and, and tell you, hey, did you see that? That is exactly what we're hoping for. And even though I might be talking to Witch Jody during one of the segments, we're going to have all the cameras up so that you can still watch what's happening during while we're talking, we don't mind being interrupted. If you're like, I just saw something move, or if there's any psychics that are watching, they're like, I feel like you need to go to this location. It's a totally interactive experience tonight. Now, once again, how much do we know about the ghosts that are in this building? Uh, is, it, is it much at all, or, you know, we you know, kind of just, they're, they're, we know there are spirits there. We know there are spirits there. We know that uh, there's a store that... Uh, uh, some uh, male uh, entity had opened up one of the doors, the, the back doors, uh, without any anything that could possibly have made it work. Uh-oh. In the hallway of, of this place. So, yeah, we don't, I don't know anything other than it's a haunted location. Okay. Uh, well, and, and that's sometimes you just don't know. And, you, you know, you, you know, and, and there's, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I know this from watching some ghost shows and stuff is that there is obviously some feeling that people who suffered and died there obviously can inhabit a location, but as well as also there's, there are places where people just had an attachment to it. And that there, there seems to be, even though the person didn't die there or suffer there, they, they seem to inhabit an area that there was close to them in their life. I mean, I've seen that one before as well. Absolutely, and that's the thing, is that you have this, like, say that there was a mechanic that worked there when it was uh, servicing garages when cars were brand new back in the 20s and 30s, and he just loved it, and he loved the location, he loved Stillwater. Who's to say that this, this person still isn't there enjoying being there? You know, not all ghosts, as you know, Matt, not all ghosts have to be about and booze and all that stuff. It could be all sorts of uh, reasons why they're there. Yeah, I, you know, I, I there was there was a movie. What was that movie called? Ghost, where the it goes through the life of the ghost as it's sitting there in all the incarnations of the building that it was in at that point. And I thought, you know, I said that's actually an interesting concept because you know you you know you 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 kind of don't understand. I mean, energy exists and energy is there, and there is energy that leaves the body. And, and, you know, I, I don't pretend to know all this stuff. I think it's really easy to negate and say things don't exist. I have talked to you before, Greg, about the fact that I'm almost yeah. positive I saw a ghost. I'm almost positive I saw yeah. a ghost. And so I, it's not, I'm not going to be foolish enough to sit there and say absolutely or not or not. I will say this. I generally don't have a lot of desire to go into places where, you know, they could be slamming doors. I had enough of that with three kids. Okay. I don't, I don't need a ghost to do that to me. <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather deal with the ghosts than teenagers yeah. myself. So, uh, you know, I, I get I get your pain, Matt. I really do. <laughs> yeah, you know, moody guy. I like the cure too. Can you can stick, you know, tone it down over there? Okay, stop with the moaning. You know, it, it, it's a parents parents have a different perspective on all this stuff. So uh, let's talk about let's talk about your crew that's going to be there. Who's all going to be there with you tonight? So we're going to have Witch Jody, who owns Midwest Witchery and Healing, and she was kind enough to sponsor the evening, which uh, we're very, very 
fortunate for, and she's a fantastic partner. And then we have uh, Miss Char Savoy, who you may recognize her name from such radio programs as mine, uh, that uh, uh, she's been a guest host. She's a very good friend. We do a lot of events together. We teach classes together. Tomorrow we have Ghost Stories and Beyond in Anoka at Billy's together. Uh, we're going to have Kyle uh, Jenkins, who is uh, a paranormal investigator that's been in our class. We're going to have Mr. Chad Larson coming out tonight and taking part in the event as well, which is really exciting to have Chad out there with us. All right, and and then and once again, the the plan is to go from eight until eleven, but you will go still on the the Facebook stream. If after eleven you're getting a lot of good stuff and you want to continue, you'll be staying out there a little bit later past the eleven o'clock broadcast time, right? Uh, possibly, no guarantees, but possibly, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we don't we don't if we're getting some great stuff, why would we want to stop, right? Absolutely, uh, I would love to get your th- what, what is your I mean Halloween. I mean, I had kids, and Halloween, you forget how much fun Halloween is. You know, for a kid, they get to dress up in a costume, they get to go to neighbors, they basically ask for candy, they get it, they take it home. It is it is nirvana. And and so for you, but, you know, your perspective on Halloween, how do you, what do you feel about the holiday? I think it's fantastic. I love watching uh, kids, you know, especially super small little kids yes. dressed up as either princesses or Doctor Who. I've seen that many a times coming to my door and there's a little Matt Smith, you know, wanting to get candy and stuff. I absolutely love it. And to the point that uh, if I am out late and I used to work at a place that I used to work very late at very often, I would, on Halloween, I would wait to go home until like after 10 or so just to make sure I wasn't driving through residential areas because I mean, I, I just, it's, it's their night. Let them run around, have fun. I don't want them to worry about somebody driving around the streets or something. I'll wait because I just want them to have such a magical evening, just like I did when I was a kid. All right. It's time for, it's kind of for Greg Bach and morality. Greg, you come to a house. You are trick-or-treating. You see a bowl of un, uh, unwatched candy with a sign say, take a piece, and it's your favorite candy. How many pieces from the bowl will you grab? I might do too, too. but, uh, you know, you're asking the Greg, you're asking the 50 year old Greg, not the, you know, uh, uh, 14, you know, 14, my God, eight year old Greg. Uh, but, uh, here's the thing though. I mean, I know by the time I'd get there, all the candy would be gone anyway, especially yeah. if there were full size candy bars, forget it. I didn't, I didn't stand a chance. I saw, I had a neighbor who did that one year and the first like 12 year old that came through, grabbed the bowl, opened the bag, dumped the whole thing in and kept walking. And I was like, yep, that's what you, that's what you get. That's what you get. You get the, as you talk about eight year olds, five year olds, adorable, 12 year olds, eh, not so much on Halloween. Nope, nope, nope. And, and we had, we had a friend and I, we, we, uh, went to a place that they gave out, uh, full cans of pop uh, back when we were about 12 years old. And so we went, got our pop, went around the corner, switched costumes. Uh, like we just wore each other's costume and we went back and we got more pop. Oh. I mean, that's, that's how sad individuals we were. So, yeah. 
I'm sure they had no idea. Of course they knew you did it. But it's like, <laughs> the mentality, if you do this, I mean, I, like I said, I get a kid, I, every once in a while I get like a 15-year-old kid that comes to the door. You really want a piece of candy? I'll give you a piece of candy. That's This is not a real question here. So uh, I don't know how, by the way, we don't know how busy it's going to be because it is going to be pretty cold tonight. So we want to bundle up. The place you're going to be in, does it have heat tonight? We'll find out. We'll find out very soon. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be wrap, uh, you wrap up, warm up, keep warm, and and do that. Uh, so let's once again let's remind everyone of the details. When does the broadcast start tonight? Tonight the broadcast starts technically at eight oh five because we always do the news and everything. We go to eleven, uh, and uh, you know you know spirit or no spirit, we're going straight through audience participation. Call in. We have Adam that's going to be at the station tonight, taking calls, joining in. Uh, put comments in uh, Facebook. It's interactive. We're just going to have an amazing time tonight. And once again, if you, whether you're listening live or you want to watch it on uh, Facebook, if you do see something on the cameras, make sure they know about it. That's kind of the cool thing. This is interactive and it's good there. Uh, Greg, all my best. I know you are so busy. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time today. And uh, happy Halloween to you, everyone on the crew, and have a great night tonight, okay? Thank you, man. Thank you for making time for me today and spitting me in. I love talking about it. And it's you're easy to chat with, and and all my best. Uh, it, it's better you in the haunted house than me. So <laughs> I think that's the, the <laughs> good luck. <laughs> right. Thank you. Take care, Greg. <laughs> Greg Bach, and once again, Ghost Box Radio. And once again, that starts at eight o'clock tonight. Uh, yeah. That and and how cool is that? You know, I I've I've worked in this industry for years rarely do we have a show that will do stuff like this on Halloween. It is so cool that they're doing this. And, and so, yeah, make sure you're here with us throughout the night and just, you got trick or treaters coming through, you know, it's eight o'clock tonight. There might be a few more trick or treaters coming through late. Well, just put on AM 950. Listen as the trick or treaters come by and, you know, hopefully, hopefully Greg is not dragged to the seventh circle. I mean, hopefully it's one of the secondary hosts, but whatever the case, you can listen to it live. You're listening to it live. And you can podcast it later, I imagine. Can we pod- Will we podcast that later? Okay. So, yes, listen to all the chaos and anxiety. <laughs> it's going to be good fun. Greg Bach and Ghost Box Radio special broadcast tonight starting at 8 o'clock right here on AM 950. Let's take a break a little bit early and come back. I'll get back into more of the injustices of the world when I do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. And I just, and if I can, you know, and I've said this before over Halloween etiquette. If a kid comes to the door, just give him candy, man. Don't, 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 you know, it's, don't, yeah, just give him candy. Just, I I don't care. I mean, if an adult, I mean, I I guarantee you tonight what I'm going to get, and I'm probably, most of us will get, is we're going to get some point where an adult's going to be at the door and there's not going to be any kids. And you're going to say, well, what are the kids? And they'll say, oh, they're out in the car. And they'll hold up three bags. Just put some candy in the bags. I don't care if they're kids. I don't, I don't feel it's my job to force a child that's cold out into the street just so I get the satisfaction of seeing the child before I give them a piece of candy. Fine. Just give it to them. Just give it to them. And, you know, yeah, have fun. It, it is. It is. Halloween is an amazingly cool time of year, and yeah, have have a good time and make sure you're here with Bakken tonight, starting at eight o'clock. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. So, I want to give another. Speaking of kids, I want to give another example of 
the double standard we now see in the media in regards to how things are covered. When some kids had taken fireworks and gone out onto the Stone Arch Bridge in town, you would have thought that you know the 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 you know the Germans had had broken through into France. You know it was that level of headline of oh my god, chaos in the streets. You can't be safe anywhere. And yeah, there were some there were some knucklehead kids behaving badly with fireworks. I made the point too. You know, I mean, and I said this during the summer. We because this of course story was going on uh, when I had been up north at my cabin and I was in the boat and I was driving past the shore and I saw a, a big brother running after his little brother firing fireworks at him. And funny, when it's then, it's, well, that's harmless family fun. But if it's someone in the city, the same people, because let's face it, the people, the, the color of the skin of the people that were involved, it is a much larger crime. But needless to say, it wasn't just far-right news outlets that were pushing this. It was the other news outlets as well. What are you going to do about the fireworks issues? Bombastic video shows chaos in the streets, that sort of thing. Two weeks ago, the homecoming was canceled at Waterville Elysian Morristown High, south of the metro. If you missed the story, what sounds like 20 to 25% of the entire student body went on a bigoted racist attack against multiple targets within the community and apparently also broke into the school. Now, I want to repeat that on one story, which got constant coverage. Some kids had some fireworks on the Stone Arch Bridge and were being knuckleheads. Fine. You want to cover that story, you're going to look at me and say, Matt, it's news. I don't care what you say. There's a legitimacy to that. Okay, fine. I could make a very strong argument that the undertones of the Waterville Elysian Morristown school story are far greater than some kids there. Racist you know, uh, graffiti uh, etched into people's cars and painted on people's cars. You had, you know, they they specifically went to the family with uh, the 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 African American family in the district. They went after the, the 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 lesbian couple in the district. They went after the school. We still don't quite know what happened in the school. The school has been very mum about this. But you have once again by video footage of the incident. Up to 25% of the school population involved in what seems to be a racist, bigoted attack against members of the community in Waterville, Elysian, Morristown. And how much coverage have we had? Have we seen? Have we gotten? Well, outside of a few reluctant stories two weeks ago, nothing. I want to repeat that. 25% of a student population of a specific high school go on a racist and bigoted attack on other people within the community, even breaking into the school. Chaos. This sounds like freaking chaos. Don't tell me about a few kids with some fireworks. This sounds like children of the corn kind of crap. And yet, 
Where's the coverage? Well, Matt, the school district isn't cooperating and talking with us. Oh, okay. You still could cover the story. I, I'm stunned. I got to be it. I'm stunned that no one in this town, because this is not that far south in the metro area, that no one has gone down there and asked the, the individuals who were targeted to share their story. Has put the can put the school district on camera, asking him to explain what exactly happened on the break in in the school. There's clearly a massive cover up going on right now, and I said this back when this happened. I said, "You can't have this many kids involved without having some of the wealthier and more powerful people in the community's kids there." So there's going to be this, as opposed to. All the kids there need to be locked up and thrown away for life when it's a bunch of kids with fireworks on the Stone Arch Bridge. This is a, this is a private matter. This is personal. This is a private matter. No, it's not. You're, you see, here's where it gets really pretty obnoxious. This did not happen on school. The original, the re, as a matter of fact, the school district's original excuse for not taking this more seriously is this was, even though this was somewhat coordinated with the homecoming Activities, this was activities that was happening off the school, which means there should be some level of investigation and charges, racism, bigotry, vandalism, a quarter of the school involved in this, up to a quarter of the school involved in this. It doesn't sound like this is a new problem. As a matter of fact, it sounds like this one, the African-American child who was targeted actually left the school district because of other issues there. And yet, and once again, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to turn every little uh, molehill into a mountain, but wait a second here. It was you guys' standard. I mean, you're the ones who talked about chaos in the streets with some fireworks. This isn't chaos in the streets. Oh, it's a white community and there are white kids involved. Ah, now I see. It's not that important of a story because, once again, let's filter it through the conservative narrative. Matt, this is small-town America. It's white kids. The, 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 the conservatives don't you – know, if we print this story out and we actually do an investigation, we'll be accused of having a bias. So we, what we do is we basically pander to the right by in, inflating the, the, the severity of a, fire, a bunch of kids with some fireworks on the Stone Arch Bridge while purposely decreasing the severity – of 25% of the school district, up to 25% of the school district, carrying out a racist and bigoted attack on members of the community in this area and allegedly breaking into the school, which, by the way, was the final straw which got the school to cancel the homecoming events. And yet, nothing. This is what I'm talking about. And... This is why I'm now I'm really now starting to get more and more into this because this is just obscene. And once again, this is not about I'm not telling you not to report on the fireworks to the kids on the Stone Arch Bridge. Fine, knock yourself out. But then can anyone there explain to me, oh, it's just not the metro area? Well, wait a minute, a racist bigoted attack, 25% of the school district. This sounds like a much bigger issue. Oh, is it because the kids are white and it's a rural school district? Because try that in a small town. <laughs> We're tough guys. We take care of things. Bull crap. Bull crap. You don't. Is that what it is? It just You just don't want to rock the boat in a small town because what? 12 people read the paper? 
A few people watch your TV show. I don't know. Needless to say, it's not my double standard I'm pointing out. It's yours. And when it gets so obscene and so obvious that I can actually sit there authoritatively and point it out, (laughs) well, you got a big problem. Hour two is coming up next. Hour number two of the the show here on your Halloween Tuesday. Matt and Patrick and Brett decided to roll on in here. Where'd you come from? I was just at home, had a plumbing issue at home. So, yeah, you get that taken care of a leaky kitchen sink and a faucet. How much did that cost you? Uh, I told the guy to basically take a hike. It was going to be too much to replace it, so I think I can do better. So you, who needs water, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, 952-946-6205. So we have our annual list of best and worst candies to get for Halloween. This is they, this is updated this year. Um, I, I don't think does. I, I'm going to ask you both. Uh, what is the best candy? For Halloween, and I'll be surprised if both of you guys don't get this right away. The most popular candy you can get on Halloween is it, it, it's among all people, not just me, right? Not just you, yes. Okay, because I I'm not the popular. Well, well, choice. okay. What is your favorite? Not Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Okay, what? Okay, you got that one. I well, like Kit Kat you? bars actually. Well, that's number three. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, how about you? I am a Milky Way person. That's not even on the list. <laughs> I'm surprised by that. Well, is, it's Reese's Reese's has got to be number one, doesn't it? Reese's is yeah, number yeah. one. Yeah, Mil- and, and yeah. I'm, I'm a peanut butter cup guy. Milky Way is a very polarizing candy bar, and I never have understood why. Well, they got the Three Musketeers. Okay, a Milky Way is a thousand times better than a Three Musketeers bar. And I mean, I don't know who who's doing this ranking on this because that is. <laughs> I will admit I'm a little bit I'm more than a little surprised that 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 it doesn't show up higher there uh, on the list there. Reese's is the number one. M and M's two, Kit Kat three, peanut M and M's, Snickers bar comes in at number four. Wait, how is peanut M and M's separate than regular? Well, because there's category. a peanut right. inside of it. For goodness' sakes, well, Brett, are you the not same paying thing, attention yeah. here? <laughs> I like spice drops. Uh, number the Werther's Originals for hell. God, is there anything worse when you go into a grandma's house and you see, hey, gumdrops, and you think to yourself, I got a nice lime, and nope, it's mace. It's like, <laughs> ugh, ugh, what did I just eat? Uh, that was a treat back in Oct 9. Uh, uh, Milky Way, uh, Hershey's Milk Chocolate Bar comes in at number five. Well, technically six because there's a tie at four. Uh, Twix bar, Butterfinger, Reese's Pieces, Hershey's mini bar. So I'm going to guess that's the Mr. Good bar and the Crackle. You know those, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, mm-hmm. And then Three Musketeers bar. I will put. I will say a guilty pleasure of mine, which you don't get too much of, or two of them here. Heath bars, love Heath bars. Hundred thousand dollar bar. You know, you remember those? I haven't had those in a while. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't see those nearly as much anymore. And I, I always liked. I like them. Uh, quite a bit. I mean, they they are one that you generally, for some reason, you only see at uh, at at, at uh, Halloween, you know, like this. Or I mean, I, I remember when we used to get the regular size Mr. Good bars. You can go get Mr. Good bars that were like normal size Hershey bars. You, I don't think you can find those anymore. Can you? I'm not sure on those. No, those I haven't seen in a while either. The Mr. Good bars. Yeah, well, they, 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 it's, it's like the Halloween candy that you you, know, you get. That's the one you, you have there. So uh, to a point, I guess it doesn't surprise me there. Uh, the w- worst candies here. I mean, <laughs> did you see the, the list on this? I mean, I, take a guess. Oh, I don't even know. what What is the 
What is number one is the worst? Unless you got a guess back there, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it the bit of honey? No, bit of honey is it? Bit of honey. Oh, bit of honey's there. <laughs> Most of these you'll see are kind of old school kind of candies, which are. Yeah, well, oh, God, I can't believe that one's as low as eight. I'll get to that in a second. Candy corn's the worst one, which is, mm -hmm. yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I can buy that, yeah. Yeah. Hot tamales, not a big fan of those. Atomic fireballs, once again, you know, hot, hot. Jawbreakers, I mean, kids today don't want to spend hours eating their candy. (laughs) So that's there. Bitto honey is number five. I actually like bitto honey. Peeps is at six. Is there a lot of peep eating at Halloween? Yeah, yeah I'm thinking that's like an Easter, if you even consider that a candy. I mean, it is, but it's like an Easter only thing. Yeah, well, you'd think so. Yeah, hot tamales, fire and ice. Once again, here's the one I can't believe is this low. Brock's pumpkins. You ever have one of those god awful concoctions? Uh, thankfully, no, Patrick. Not that I can think of. Oh, it's a bad day, man. It's that's like getting a spice drop from Grandma. What are you doing? Dots. I like dots. Dots are nice. And then Almond Joy, which I am sorry, I'm on the pro Almond Joy side. I don't mind it, Almond Joy, but maybe it's because I only have it at Halloween. I'm not, I, I know I look like I'm devouring candy all the time. I generally can eat, most of my candy bar eaten is pretty much relegated to Halloween. So there you go. Are you, you're not giving out anything tonight. Patrick, are you giving out anything tonight? I'm not, although I did see there was a bag of Pearson's nut rolls sitting on the counter. Are those just, just is that dinner for you? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it might be dinner tonight. Yeah, oh, good. Eating good tonight. Um, so I got the variety packs. I got the variety packs. I got a lot of Reese's. I got that because I also get for the kids that we know that are like our neighbor kids, the little ones, we get the full-size Cadbury Oh, bars. you got the special stack. Yeah, there you go. Got those. I, I like on that list how basically if it wasn't chocolate, it's on the worst list. It really <laughs> it is. is, is there any, the... There's not a chocolate one. Well, Almond Joy's got chocolate on it, but that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's the only one. Then on the top list, I think all of them have chocolate. Well, yeah. Are they all? Let's see. Hershey's. I think they are. Oh, right? Reese's Pieces. I don't think there's chocolate in Reese's Pieces. But yeah, you're right. Everything else has got chocolate. <laughs> so a chocolate lover may have made this list. Might have not complaining, but yeah. Might might also kind of put that uh, last week tonight with John Oliver about how poorly the farmers are paid for cho- chocolate farming. That put that in perspective. Uh, yesterday, one thing we're going to take a very sharp turn here before we get to cool again. Remember yesterday we talked about the guy that has been now on federal charges for abusing children, Republican from North Dakota. Oh, yeah. Republicans in North Dakota have some serious freaking problems because this one just came across. The executive director for the North Dakota Republican Party has resigned after less than two weeks on the job following controversy over a series of social media posts denigrating women and black people, according to KFYR-TV on Tuesday. I believe the best path forward for the North Dakota GOP is for me to take a different path, said Dave Roteman in a brief statement. I wish them all the best. It comes after an extensive reporting of the forum of Fargo-Moorhead documenting Roteman's controversial expades on Twitter. According to the reporter Rob, uh, Rob Port, uh, reporter Rob Port, Roteman made dozens and dozens of ignorant social media posts, including comments leering at scantily clad or undressed women, jokes about women being making sandwiches, and a suggestion that black people should get out of America and move to Wakanda. The fictional East African kingdom that was the setting for Black Panther. A country that doesn't exist. 
Wakanda. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's from a comic book. That's not a real country. When the original story broke, Ropeman refused to apologize, telling Port, I am a man who stands by my words. Once again, a man who said that all black people should go back to <clears throat> Wakanda. Generally, the state party chairs are content to work behind the scenes out of sight, but sometimes are the focus of colorful scandals. Former Minnesota GOP director Jennifer Cardahan stepped down amid allegations the organization was full of sexual harassment and bullying, including one of the close associates and party donors being arrested and convicted for sex trafficking. What the what, God is it? Just chaos up in North Dakota's GOP right now. Yeah, I think the both Dakotas are having a contest to see which GOP oh, is a bigger mess. North Dakota's got the lead on this. The lead, oh, the yeah. North Dakotas. It, it, this is what happens when you don't have any challengers. That you yeah. basically you you know and, and and you know Carnahan was her was her own worst enemy and when she was running the Minnesota GOP. But this is different. The this case of the guy yesterday we talked about. Plus, on top of that, this that just points to me to a, a a political party that is because they don't fear any other political party feels as if they can do anything they want to and there aren't ever going to be consequences. Reminder, the guy yesterday was the longest serving state senator in uh, in the country. He had been there for a long time and, and the, the, they're referring to things 10, 15 years ago that he'd done. You're telling me that he just started then? Come on, man. And I don't believe for one second that no one didn't know something was up, up with this guy. Not in the least bit. Yeah, and he, I'm, I don't know his uh, partisan break, breakdown of his district, but I'm guessing that was probably a 70-30, if not greater, oh, God, GOP leans. Some, some of those districts are just uh, amazingly far right. Like I mean, you said it, too. I mean, if you have no challengers, what incentive do you have to behave ethically? Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, he gets caught and he says... I'm going to stand by my statement on mm-mm, all black people should go back to Wakanda. God, just, oh, man. I mean, North Dakota GOP. God, what are you guys doing up there? All right. Uh, it is, we, we, we brought the scariest thing we could think of. Patrick Cooligan from the Minnesota Reformer. He is kind enough to join, to join us for his usual Tuesday visit. What are you guys uh, scaring up today? Well, we are going to bring something up that should uh, scare people if you have Mayo Clinic health insurance because uh, that is uh, pretty lackluster to say the least. They did, a, they did a big report on this, speaking to a number of Mayo Clinic employees, talking about the challenges that they've run into in terms of, well, getting reimbursed for costs that they've incurred that they largely shouldn't have or trying to find any providers that are within their network, including the Mayo Clinic itself. So, Okay, it, the Mayo Clinic's own health care doesn't really apply to the Mayo Clinic itself? You can go there, but you're going to be served after they do all of the out of the people who are not employees of Mayo Clinic first. And then even if you do get in, then you're going to have a you're going to face a big backlog, and at that point, well, you're just better off going somewhere else is essentially what the wow. deal is. Yeah, That wow. is the place that serves, as I mentioned during the interview, former presidents, international royalty, but having some trouble uh, taking care of their own employees with health insurance. Wow. All right. Uh, and, and, and then what else besides that? Oh, yeah. Then we're also going to touch on Joe Biden visiting Minnesota tomorrow and what we could expect for that in terms of politicals that we can expect. Probably not Dean Phillips. Uh, like I said, he made that plan to stop in Minnesota before the Dean Phillips announcement, yeah. but it became a must-stop before. And I got to tell you right now, that's that's not going to be. Yeah, I, I I just I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what Dean Phillips is doing, but 
Joe Biden is about to show you that he's he's you may call him old, but he is not. He, his mind seems pretty damn sharp, if you ask me at this point. All right. Patrick Hooligan from the Minnesota Reformer talking with Brett right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Brett Johnson with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And today we are joined by the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. That's Patrick Kulikan. Minnesota Reformer, great resource for the latest in Minnesota news and politics over at minnesotareformer.com. As we are going to be talking about less than stellar health insurance that many employees at the Mayo Clinic are getting. Plus, we'll be highlighting President Joe Biden's visit to Minnesota tomorrow and what we can expect. So, Patrick, thanks so much for coming back on the show today. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. So let's start off talking about the Mayo Clinic, because normally when we think of the Mayo Clinic, we think of world-class health care and former presidents and royalty from around the world stopping in Rochester to get probably some of the best health care they can get in the entire world. Certainly world-class health care at the Mayo Clinic. But what happens when the employees of the Mayo need to get health care themselves? Well, that's when things get a little dicey, depending on whether you're a doctor or an executive or just a rank-and-file employee, because for the majority of employees at Mayo Clinic, well, they're saying that the health insurance coverage they get from Mayo Clinic is less than stellar, as the Minnesota Reformer had a chance to speak to a number of employees at Mayo talking about some of the issues they've run into with uh, their medical insurance and trying to uh, get things covered. So I guess my first question for you is, what kind of insurance do employees of the Mayo Clinic get right now? As I understand it, this is a self-funded plan through Medica. So tell us a little bit about what they get and why, at least overall, they've been running into some issues so far before we get into more of the details behind all this. Yeah, so they have a self-funded plan, which means that uh, Mayo uh, pays for the care. It's, It's administered by... Uh, Medica. So, um, interestingly, when we asked uh, Medica about some of the complaints, um, Medica really kind of put the onus on Mayo and said, well, this is a self-funded plan. We're only administering it. Um, And um, the problems that the uh, employees are are running into are, uh, I think, common in the private health insurance marketplace. I mean, my my line about this was uh, Mayo workers, they're just like us. Um, and uh, what I mean by that is they, they also have uh, trouble finding a doctor who's in-network or a specialist who's in-network. They uh, have surprise bills. They have um, uh, really huge out-of-pocket expenses. Uh, they will, uh, w- without much chance to pay the bill, they'll be sent to collection. Um, and so uh, you have this really fascinating juxtaposition of, of, as you said, a world-class medical institution whose own workers struggle to get um, the, the, the care that they need. Um, and, um, and, and, and it's especially a uh, com- uh, compelling story if you think about with the Mayo Clinic, uh, the, the influence that they wield, especially on our legislature last legislative session, were a couple big issues that were up, including the nurse staffing ratio bill that the Mayo Clinic was vehemently opposed to, and then also another one that tried to tackle healthcare costs. And again, uh, and, and Mayo made this threat that Max uh, Nesterak, our reporter who's, who's reported this story as well, uh, that 
to to both the, the the staff of the governor and then also legislative leaders that they would take future investments, billions of dollars worth elsewhere, unless they got what they needed on these uh, two bills that they wanted killed. And of course, they largely succeeded. Well, another issue that uh, employees at Mayo are running into is trying to, well, find providers that are within their own network right now, as oftentimes they say that, uh, well, for instance, if we take mental health, for example, if the, I know a few employees talked about trying to get mental health coverage for their children, and when they go on their uh, website to try to find, well, what's in network? Well, it turns out oftentimes there's no one in network, or if there anyone is in network, well, they're not taking any new patients, which obviously causes a number of problems as well. So tell us about what we've been hearing in terms of well, a lot of these employees not even being able to get coverage that's within network, even though supposedly with the Mayo's medical plan, uh, people should have lots of options, but it turns out that's really not been the case at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, the uh, uh, they're in network. So, so Mayo itself, the, the medical institution, is in network for all employees. Um, but the problem is uh, they have a lot of remote workers who are not near one of these major campuses. And then the other problem is that they have to wait weeks or months because obviously Mayo is going to treat their non-employee patients there with a given priority. Um, and so uh, it's a real problem, I mean, especially for those people who don't live near a, uh, a campus. Um, and they just, they, these workers describe what, what uh, experts in these health insurance finance issues call a phantom network. So it's, hmm. there are claims that there are dozens or, or even hundreds of in-network doctors, um, but they're just not taking new patients or, or they don't accept the insurance anymore or the, or the doctor is retired. Um, and so uh, this is, it, people struggled so much to find an in-network doctor and, and, and struggled so much with other these health insurance issues at Mayo that they, they have one of these internal communication systems in my, we use Slack, you know, that they apparently use Microsoft Teams and there was a Microsoft Teams channel that was called at one point, Medica sucks. Um, they they uh, uh, diplomatically renamed it, um, or somebody in HR <laughs> probably did that. Um, but that gives you some idea when they're talking so openly internally about this struggle. Uh, and, and I think that a key takeaway for me was uh, how bad is American healthcare financing and insurance system? when male workers are having to deal with this. I mean, what does that tell you? Uh, if, if the absolute best of the best um, healthcare workers are unable to get decent healthcare. Yeah, I think it's absolutely a microcosm for what we see in, well, corporate culture, because as I mentioned at the beginning of this, uh, the, I said that, well, if you're an executive or a doctor, you get tremendous health insurance as opposed to the usual rank-and-file employees because there, there is quite a big difference if you're an executive or a doctor in terms of the type of health insurance you get versus a rank-and-file employee, correct? Right. So uh, you're, you're right about that. Of course, there's, there's always a class in American, uh, the American economy. Mayo doctors and executives can be reimbursed for up to $10,000 a year to cover their out-of-network and their, their out-of-pocket costs and their, and their co-payments, as well as the dental and, and orthodontic uh, expenses. 
uh, everybody else doesn't doesn't get that benefit. So so that's the you know, the polarization of, of income and wealth in, uh, in microcosm too. And going back to talking about the struggle of employees trying to find healthcare providers that are within network, as we talked about, oftentimes it's a struggle. It's a struggle just to use the Mayo Clinic itself. So for a lot of people, especially those that are working remotely, that's certainly not an option. But what exactly has Mayo been saying in terms of well, when they're being accused of having these phantom type networks? Because as I understand it, when an HR employee at at uh, the Mayo Clinic. Basically, they were saying, well, it's the provider's fault for not knowing the status of whether they're in the network or not. So it just kind of seems like they're giving the runaround to the employees and, well, largely putting things on them when there seems to be a mess in terms of trying to figure out who's in the network and who's not. Right. Um, I mean, I think, I think an, an HR employee came onto that, uh, that Microsoft Teams channel and said, uh, sure, I, you know, this... I also struggled with it. It took me a couple hours uh, to straighten it out. Um, and so kind of acknowledging um, that this is an issue to, to her, his or her uh, colleagues, um, you know, as far as Mayo itself goes, um, they, they kind of sent us a lengthy statement about mm-hmm. their, how great their benefits are and uh, that they, they cover about 75% of employees uh, of the medical plan. Um, and they're always looking to improve their networks and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I do wonder if this maybe will be a, um, a wake-up call um, for Mayo uh, executives, given the uh, how, how competitive it is um, out there in the healthcare marketplace to hire uh, qualified people. Absolutely. And there's still a lot more we can unpack with this. And there's one more area I want to go with, because this certainly caught my eye when, again, we were talking about mental health services that are supposed to be provided by their health insurance plan. Because as I understand it, Mayo Clinic's benefits booklet says it covers, or it's supposed to cover, 80% of medical health services, whether that's in or out of network after the deductible is met. But the catch is only a portion of the bill count towards counts towards the deductible and as you guys wrote about in the reformer article today uh that's certainly a very important catch that can uh, cost uh, a number of employees a lot of money when it comes to well what part of the what part of that bill is going to be counted towards the deductible right and um you know and then there's also another issue here uh and and that's um uh mental health parity where um, it does not seem that uh, there's a real network and, and the real ability to find uh, mental health um, treatment. And um, that, that's in law since 2008. It's, it's uh, an important law that's named after um, Paul Wellstone. And, um, and we have a, um, a mental health uh, care advocate in, in the story who's uh, questioning whether or not they are, in fact, um, abiding by the law. So, yeah, there's a lot in here, and I encourage people to go and read it. Um, some of the, the individual stories uh, of people not being able to get care are uh, really alarming and heartbreaking. Absolutely, and even, too, we won't even a touch, have a chance to touch on how sometimes employees end up going to collections for some of these bills that they thought were covered. So, yeah, I encourage you to check this out. It's, it's a good read over at minnesotareformer.com, minnesotareformer.com. 
Also wanted to touch on one other big thing that is happening this week, and that has to do with President Joe Biden visiting Minnesota tomorrow, as he is going to be at a family farm in Northfield to highlight investments in rural communities, as uh, many farmers in southern Minnesota and northern Iowa have been facing a lot of issues with droughts impacting their yields over the past few years or so. So Biden will be in uh, Minnesota to highlight the investment that they've been making in rural communities. So let's talk about what we can expect from this visit. Is this uh, kind of, a, again, just showing the investment they're making in rural communities that, well, we're not just looking out for the suburbs and the metro area? Or what can we expect from this visit tomorrow in Northfield? Yeah, I mean, the uh, it's, it's a year away from re-election. Um, the president's uh, numbers are not great. Um, and uh, he now has a new Democratic opponent uh, who happens to be a Minnesotan in uh, Dean Phillips. So uh, I, I suspect the trip is uh, planned for a while, um, but that's an interesting uh, contrast with uh, Phillips out in New Hampshire beginning his campaign and the president coming here. Democrats always like to uh, highlight initiatives um, in, in the rural America um, and, and I'm not sure that you're going to win uh, a whole lot of rural votes with it, um, but it's certainly a nice uh, image for the Twin Cities media uh, market. And uh, let's face it, elections can, can are often fought on the margins, and meaning that uh, if, if you can flip uh, just a few votes in, um, in some of these battleground states, like let's say, uh, you know, for holding Wisconsin, for instance, uh, if you can flip some of those rural voters um, and highlight some of the uh, some of the help you've provided, and then also drive a wedge between Republicans in Congress who have held up the farm bill mm-hmm. and uh, farm voters, um, and and persuade them that you want a more functional. Washington, and you'll get that under uh, uh, Democrats. Um, that's also a good message to drive home. And I'm curious what kind of uh, political people we can expect at this uh, at Joe Biden appearing in Northfield tomorrow. Uh, are we expecting any Congress people, maybe even members of the legislature, Governor Tim Walls? Are they expected there? I know one person who probably won't be out there is Dean Phillips, obviously, but anyone else we can <laughs> expect to uh, be out there uh, appearing with Biden? I have not seen I have not seen the itinerary, um, but I I expect uh, the governor may greet him at the airport and um, that the, the um, commissioner of agriculture and uh, the, it'll be a big event for the farm bureau, uh, or excuse me the farmers union, which is a more democratic aligned uh, farmers group, um, and and I think Northfield is uh, a good place uh, that is both uh, agriculture um, but also a heavy college presence so it's a good a good stop and and uh, close enough to the twin cities to get coverage yeah that is a good point because you do have that very rural area in northfield but it also is becoming as you said more of a metro area and certainly area that's been turning a little bit more uh, purple over the past few years so strategically uh, yeah not the worst place for uh, joe biden to possibly go as well since uh, I also believe that's in the second congressional district, so wonder if uh, yeah, the Angie Craig campaign could have any involvement as well, since that'll certainly be a very important re-election for her as well coming up. 
yeah, she picked up a, a, a very strong, what looks like a, a very strong challenger who just stepped away from the U.S. Attorney's Office, and uh, she needs to get heavy turnout in a place like Northfield to win. Well, you can read more about Biden's visit. I'm sure you guys will be covering that over at the Minnesota Reformer tomorrow at minnesotareformer.com, minnesotareformer.com. And also make sure you check out that story about, well, that uh, very kind of crappy health insurance that they have over at the Mayo Clinic, according to uh, many of their employees. Find that all over at minnesotareformer.com. We have been speaking with Patrick Hulican, who is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer, who joins us every Tuesday. As always, Patrick, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure, Brett. Let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. 952 946 9529466205. So I want to um, spend some time here talking about a realization I had last night. And it was a, it was a, a bunch of things came together. But this had to do with being in the wake of if you didn't hear the show yesterday the Colin Kaepernick tweet where I said if you know state the Vikings should stay in house if they can if not then they should you know basically they'd be fools if they didn't get at least give Colin Kaepernick to see if his if if he health wise and availability if he was available and he was healthy enough to play. You need to find someone who can play because you're looking for a Band-Aid. And my point was yesterday was that Kaepernick would be pretty cheap to do if, if he was available. <laughs> At least that would be my impression. Is he'd, He wouldn't be necessarily the most expensive guy. And most of the guys, especially with uh, Kirk Cousins not having um, a contract next year, they probably would want, they would demand that uh, Kirk... You know, they, they would get one year, they have the rest of this year and then another year, that that would be the demand that they would have. And so, you know, it was, it's, it's a case where I, you know, and I, and I, I talked about it, it's like nothing seems to have set off the far right loon bins more than the mere mention of Colin Kaepernick. And I got to thinking last night a little bit, it's like, that was weird because it, for lack of a better way to say it, almost immediately stopped i'm dead serious it almost about six or seven o'clock last night i stopped having you know the you know what was probably 400 right-wing trolls attacking me because i merely suggested colin kaepernick and it was interesting because a bunch of them was like we're not just right-wing trolls dude no you looked at your your profiles i looked at most of your profiles you were all right-wing trolls and that's when it dawned on me it's like wait a second here let me go back to the beginning of this, the, the initial people. So I woke up, I said that on Sunday, woke up Monday morning and I had like 70. And I went through and I started looking at the first people that had commented that were right-wing trolls. And I started looking at their profiles, who I, I blocked them all, but I was able to go through and, and, and find them. I've got another account. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I was able to go through and, and look at them and view their profiles and take a look a little bit more of a deep dive. Now, from this point forward, I'm going to jump back. I, I have talked in, in time, we have talked over and over again about the brainwashing of the right and that the right has done a shockingly good job at making sure 30 to 40% of this country never hears anything but right-wing news. 
we talked about getting rid of the fairness doctrine in the in the 1980s. We talked about the Telecommunications Act in 1996. We've talked about the all-out war against public broadcasting, which has not been successful. But at the same time, it, it has it, what you've got is you've got rural America is got if they've got if they still even have their small town paper, it's usually this right wing rag that basically puts out right wing talking points. The news stations, the, the local radio stations, all have this you know good old boy network right wing talking points mentality. The hosts are basically almost all, even on the music stations, are all right wing. You know, are either told to be right wing or are right wing. They are told definitely not to, don't be pushing democratic policies. That's kind of the case. And you have this across a large swath. And it has been wildly successful because, you know, at the time, up until, you know, the early 2000s, you basically, that's where people still got their news was newspapers and, and media. And they were able to control this dramatically. And then the Internet got thrown in there and it has really gunked up the works. And ever since the internet started taking off in the early 2000s and MySpace and all that, whatever, which eventually came afterwards, you, you saw that you had the ability to, you know, that, that you couldn't basically stop this completely, that you basically had now a news outlet. People were able to get news wherever they wanted to get it. And it's a matter of fact, there, 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 there's a, um, you know, definitely I think one of the reasons why there has been hesitancy by Republicans to get internet expansion into rural America is because they don't want, they, they've got this confined audience and they don't want to have anything that, that challenges that. And that's kind of the case. So you, but you, you still have a lot of people who basically have been cultivated into this right-wing news world that the only news they watch is Fox News the only that the only TV network they watch is Fox or OAN or Newsmax the only they only listen to the right-wing leading stations in town they only they do this and the reason why is that there's not even an op, you know an option for this the the republicans even as well thought about you know, remember this back with Trump at the beginning of his term, they were thinking about trying to create a cable TV tiered system for the Internet, basically under the argument that, oh, well, you know, it should be like cable TV and the base level will give you Fox News. But if you, you have to pay extra to get CNN, that sort of thing, that was kind of there. They were trying to figure out a way around it. Needless to say, the, the, it's not that this 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 brainwashed mass of people was desperately in danger of of going away. I mean, they they basically are lemmings. They have been basically programmed to to get news a very specific way, and that's the way they want to get it. But what it is is that they need to make sure that they maintain this, that the fact the Internet is out there, that the fact that they can go to other things, they have to control this. And one of the big problems is social media because you really can't control social media or can you? And now you're starting to get to the point where I was last night when I was like, oh my God. I've, I, I went back and I want to talk about these 15 trolls that first came after me for Colin Kaepernick. They were trolls. But they were different. Remember when we used to get trolls and then all of them would have 
they were all wearing sunglasses in their 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 profile picture or they'd all be on an ATV in their profile picture or they'd all be holding a fish in their profile picture or they'd all be sitting there with a grandkid in their profile picture you know it was it was clear that this was not the individual it was clear that this was you know it was something else and it was easy to pick out these people were trolls undeniably they were trolls but this was a little bit different than what I'd seen before. This was a troll subgroup geared specifically to Minnesota Vikings and Minnesota sports fans. The icon images, the 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 the, the photos that they used all seemed to be from Minnesota in some capacity. It wasn't as easy to see that. Their profiles were very similar. You know, sports fan, Minnesota sports fan like this. They always were either a, they didn't call themselves Republican. They called themselves either a, 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 a libertarian of some sort, or they called themselves an independent thinker, but they never said Republican. They just basically, they, they would, they, that was not a word they used. And occasionally they would throw in a religious, a, a biblical passage in their, in their bio, in their, their profile bio. But they clearly were pushing a very similar thing. And that was the first thing I noticed. I noticed a lot of things. I just seeing a generic Minnesota photo. I am seeing Vikings fan, Twins fan, you know, libertarian or independent thinker. Uh, loves Jesus, American flag emojis. Holy God, they 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 they're using them like they're going out of style. Um, they'd use American flag emojis. They all had these first fifteen or so had somewhere between forty and seventy followers. And here's where it got it was it was kind of a revelation. Is I started looking at their profiles, and of those of those you know and, you know twelve people or so that I the, the first twelve people I saw, I think almost all of them but one had the same exact news story about the DA prosecuting Trump. Uh, it was a you know it was a hit piece on her. It was the same news story across them. And I started going through their profiles and I would find story after story after story matching up. This one, this guy posted, this guy posted, this guy posted, this woman posted, this woman, the same things. It would there is this is not a coincidence. And I stepped back and I said, holy God, this was the reason why Elon Musk bought this. This is the goal here is not to make money. We talked yesterday about the fact that the Twitter is now worth $19 billion. He bought it for 44. He's already lost well over half the value of that company. But yet he still has a lot of big backers on his side, including the Saudis, including right-wing groups here in town and in this country. And the question then becomes, it's like, so what is he doing? And and we've talked about this. Like, I can't figure out what this guy is doing. And then all of a sudden it hit me. What he's doing is he's creating a brainwashing machine, which makes what the Republicans did in the 90s look antiquated, like going back to yield Yorktown or something like that. My guess is going to be 
that in every state now once again what are we looking at here of course the the right has tried to they like to put on the tough guy tough guy images look at me i got guns tough guy look at me football tough guy look at me I'll, i'll start a war tough guy they love that tough guy narrative so here was the tough guy narrative viking sports all these sports narratives you know, I'm not really a Republican, even though every one of their timelines was just Republican talking point after Republican talking point. You know, I'm a libertarian, but I love this new speaker. You're, if, only if you're a religious theocrat, because I don't know any libertarians that would look at Mike Johnson and say, oh, he's a good guy. No, he's a religious theocrat. Anyway, that being said, it, it just it was clear that this is what it was. And I, and I stopped for a second and I realized... What they're doing, there is probably multiple groups like this that are out there that have been created where the goal is to basically get a subsect of Republican voters who just want a narrative validated. I mean, this is, so you get a Republican who's a Twins fan and a Minnesota sports fan and all these things, and then you basically, and and that are Republican, and this this is, so something comes up. I type the name Kaepernick, and Kaepernick, these troll bots find it, put it out for the group, and then the group goes crazy until the next code word that triggers them goes off, and then they go crazy. And I said to myself, it's like, okay, this is crazy because this is, I can see in Iowa being Hawkeye fan, Cyclone fan, you know, the, an Iowa stock image, you know, libertarian, independent thinker, uh, Iowa Hawkeye image is their, their logo. I can see this in the Dakotas. I can see this in Wisconsin. I can see this everywhere. What, what it seems has happened is, and whether this is done in conjunction with Elon Musk or not, Twitter is being used to basically hyper-target specific groups to keep them with a very specific narrative that's being validated that to prevent the internet from educating people in a specific way that they don't agree with they basically have created these functioning bot groups where yeah there's a lot of people in these bot groups who are legitimate people but they're basically getting dragged around by a ring by the bots themselves who basically are trying to tell the fish to swim in a certain direction, and they're successfully doing it. And when you think about what, what, as like I said, for a year now, I've said, I can't figure out what the heck Elon Musk is doing. And you put this, you know, A to B, and you draw this line, and you see it so clearly with this Kaepernick thing. And going back and looking at it, it's like, this is not random. This is incredibly specific, and it's incredibly targeted. You realize at that point what is really going on. And frankly, it's kind of scary because even though we live in a day and age where we have information that can come at you from a million different directions, what the conservatives are successfully doing is closing down those lanes and even shrinking the circle even more to prevent conservative voters from ever seeing or hearing anything that goes against them. I talked before about how conservatives are good at messaging. I I can't even comprehend this because this is, this is where you're at. They have taken one of the largest social media sites and have turned it into a narrative validation machine 
for far-right Republicans that will make sure they never have to question anything and can, and can be motivated to act and strike and attack just by basically throwing, having 10 to 15 of the bots out there start saying, are you guys going to let this guy get away with it? It's crazy, man. That is crazy stuff. But it makes a lot of things now make a lot more sense to me in exactly why Elon Musk bought Twitter. And he might, like I said, he might not be aware of this, but I guarantee you the people behind him buying it, the ones that were pushing him to do so, they basically have taken this and they're playing a freaking symphony of brainwashing right now. And it is somewhat terrifying. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. One more, by the way. Okay, you guys hear your bias in the reporting, don't you? Story from today. Um, McDonald's on Monday reported quarterly earnings and revenue that beat analyst expectations as price hikes offset failing traffic to its U.S. restaurants. I want to make sure we understand what I just said there. Price hikes, not inflation. They raised their own prices and they made a lot of money doing so. Despite higher market price, menu prices in some regions, executives said that the burger chain is still beating rivals across most of its biggest markets when it comes to consumers' perception of value and affordability. Perception of. They're charging more. And it's not like they're charging more just to make ends meet. Re- earnings per share, 3.19, adjusted as to three ex- expected, so well above expectations in there. Revenue was $6.69 billion versus $6.58 billion. What I'm saying is this, is the prices are going up and listen to how the news portrays them as, look at them go, look at them great. They're raising prices and they're making money. It's not inflation, it's greed. I've said this, I'll say this again. It's not inflation, it's greed. If the company is making massive profit margins while saying, well, costs are up, then it's not greed. It's not inflation, that's greed. That's just the company taking extra money where they can. Put that in conjunction with the other story here. The labor market is still hot. Workers are empowered. And as a result, Americans are winning higher wages. But the Federal Observe is tightening abundant recession chatter. The ability of workers to achieve pay gains is hardly diminished. It's creating a sustained inflation risk while simultaneously bolstering household, uh, bolstering household finances. So basically what they're saying is this. Sure, your employees are making some extra money. But boy, oh boy, this is going to cost more inflation. The employment cost index. Notice how the first thing they talk about, workers are making more money. And within the third paragraph, the third sentence of this, it's a, but this is at a cost. McDonald's raises their prices and is praised as some sort of, you know, it's, it's look at them. They're beating back expectations. They've just, they're greed. They're making tons of money. Labor market basically gets a pay raise and it's like, look at them. They're bankrupting the country. Uh, the gold standard measure of the employment cost index is what employees spend on compensation rose 1.1% in the third quarter. Labor department said that's a tick higher than quarter two over the last year. Wages and salaries for all civilian workers were up 4.6% and changed from quarter two, well above 3% or so that prevailed just before the pandemic. 
Uh, both the unions move and the new data reflect delayed reaction process. Groups of workers are finally catching up to the realities of the post-pandemic job market, but they're saying that the inflation is going to tick up because you greedy workers got more money. No, it's it's not inflation. It's greed. Once again, if the company is making record profits, they're beating market expectations, they're rolling in the revenue. That's not inflation. That's greed. And it is amazing to me how much the media in this country just refuses, outright refuses to report it like that. Absolutely does. All right. Big night for you here. Got Native Roots Radio. I'm awake. That comes up next. Eight o'clock tonight. Bakken live out in Stillwater doing his ghost investigation. Three hours with us tonight on a Halloween. Be safe. Be careful. If you have to drive around, watch out for the kiddos. Have a wonderful and safe Halloween. We are back on your Wednesday. Till then, see ya.